You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 122 and my name is Clark from 5cardguys on Instagram and 5cardguys.com. Co-hosting with me as usual is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards and John is back this week and he is trade you at recess on Instagram. Okay, off the top, what seems to be dominating the sports card social media feed the past 24 hours are breakers who are caught scamming on camera. And uh, I just heard Whatnot just kicked out a breaker called The Retail King, who switched out a downtown football card. I'm sure you can see the video clip on Instagram, or I, I think it originated on Twitter, the person that kind of posted the video up. But I guess what I wanted to ask you guys is whether you think this is a prevalent issue in breaking still, or just a few bad apples here and there that's just being highlighted all at once. What do you guys think? First off, I I seen the video. It was blatantly obviously obvious <laughs> right. that like like it was insane. He just literally just took it off camera and acted like nothing happened, which was crazy. Yeah. But I I don't want that to ruin the breaking experience because you know, you hear these stories, but I don't feel like it's it's a ongoing issue, you know, and they're mm. usually you know, the majority is you know they're for the hobby. They're they're not uh, really uh, bad apples, or I guess uh, there's uh, you're gonna find those bad apples. Is what I'm saying. So sure. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily define it because I do know breakers that you know do this full time too, right? So they're amazing at what they do, and they have their own clientele, and you know places that uh, you know um, have their own clientele tend to you know have their own fan base so it's unfortunate that you see kind of like this in the hobby but it definitely has to be policed in some way so it's it's glad that you know you know you're ext- it's extinguishing kind of like the the bad apple there so mm-hmm. yeah 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 i you know it's sad to see this news i mean i guess on the the silver lining is all of those breakers that have great reputations, this is just going to further emphasize use people with reputation. And I'm sure mm-hmm. all of this little, these many little bad news is about scammers or whatnot is just going to flood people who are interested in breaking to, you know, like a select maybe handful of reputable breakers, which is great for their business. So in a, in a way, it's a good thing. Bad for people like, you know, let's say the three of us wanted to start breaking and wanted to kind of make a go of it. It would probably be pretty difficult, right? If you have no reputation at all and you're trying to get into it and literally every other, you know, no-name breaker out there is committing these fraudulent activities, it's it's certainly not a good look. So tough on tough on the little guys, but it, it's helping, I guess, on a silver line, it's, it's helping the bigger guys. So I don't, I don't know. Either way, just seeing this kind of news just continues to you know piss you off or you know it's right. sad, it's sad to see this stuff but anyways again just i think it's just isolated i, I i'm i'm guessing it's not uh, as frequent as people think 
Yeah, I mean, that's my personal thought as well. Like, we're seeing it all pop up because it's just, like, front and center now, right? It's like, oh, right. yeah, this reminds me of another scam uh, breaker, and then they're going to post that up at the same time, and it's just everything. That it's in the news, so to speak. Um, but, you know, before this, like, we, I feel like we've gone a long period of time where, you know, it wasn't uh, a thing yeah, every you day. Didn't hear, you didn't really hear it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly, right? And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, right? But I just think... It's not as frequent as people might think. And, um, you know, to your point, John, I think it will help the bigger breakers or the more reputable ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like, I think whatnot should be concerned. You know, like they are the live streaming platform and they depend on not just big breakers, but smaller breakers. And I know whatnot has a big event coming up with the bigger breakers, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know... Um, if they want to grow the business, they're dependent on these smaller ones too. And and um, I don't know. I'll be I'd be concerned if I was working at whatnot in terms of like how do we you know grow our our platform, uh, but instill confidence from the consumer. And I think that's going right. to be a tough balancing act for them. So so we'll see. But um, you know, like I guess I, I've never heard of these breakers before today, right? So they are probably smaller breakers mm -hmm. compared to like you know. The Blaz Brothers and and you know uh, backyard breaks obviously, but right. um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, we talked about the TikTok banning breakers, and I, I feel like since we last talked about that, what two three episodes ago, um, I heard that they're not banning all breakers, but you got to be like, um, I guess you got to be on their list to be to be able to do that. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I so see. I guess that's one way of monitoring to make sure that you know they know that the ones who are breaking on their platforms are more trustworthy or reputable. I'm not sure how they judge that. Maybe you have to apply for it, but that's one way of getting around it, I guess. Hmm. So yeah, we'll see how things go on that front. It'll be interesting to see how things develop, but I don't, I, I, I guess we can all agree that we don't think it's as prevalent as it seems right now, but um, always, always good for the hobby to look out for one another when it comes to these things. And that's what's great about the hobby. You know, you, you try to pull a fast one, you're going to get caught. Yeah, and you, can't, you can't do it nowadays. <laughs> can't do it. You cannot yeah. do it. And it's not worth it, man. The credibility, once you lose it, you're done. You're done as a business, right? right? So, all right. Uh, before we get into our main segment, just quickly, thoughts on the WBC, World Baseball Classic, now that it's over. And, um, you know, the global ratings have been through the roof. And uh, just from a hobby standpoint as well, do you think WBC cards, uh, those Chrome cards, uh, might grow in popularity? So yeah, what do you guys think? Man, I uh, I, I don't think it's going to have an effect necessarily, like directly on the hobby per se, but um, I do think it made a huge impact on baseball in general, like the baseball mm -hmm. audience. So it's any, any way you could contribute in that way, it's a huge win for the sport of baseball and everybody could agree like people who are saying you know the wbc is a waste of time honestly like international baseball is all about winning and this is this is the best baseball in the world so it's like this is what we as fans want to watch you know i'm i'm involved in that type of baseball uh, consistently mm -hmm. so it's always intense and it because the whole thing is about winning it doesn't it's not necessarily about uh developing players per se it's like you're representing your country and you literally go to war like that was the most entertaining i've ever seen baseball 
in uh in in a very 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 long time so for me like mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a spark that got fans that normally don't watch baseball mm-hmm. very interested um which which is cool so i think it helps indirectly the hobby in general with uh with impacting the sport in a positive way so it was a huge win for for baseball and i know a lot of people are already looking forward to you know 2026 and because because of the internet too it's like we didn't have this kind of like um you know i was streaming every single game in my office uh you know what i mean it's like we didn't have necessarily those options you know in previous uh you know baseball and uh baseball world baseball classics 2017 was the last one six years ago things were different um so it's like to have that on kind of like Uh, one platform and social media being kind of like the main pusher of our kind of like society or our news feed pretty much. And you Mm -hmm. see WBC everywhere. Right. So to me, honestly, like I, I was happy that it gave that spark to baseball, especially in March because I'm pumped for the baseball season now. And (laughs) I think just in general, like baseball as a whole, it's, uh, it's growing or we're, we're actually trying to grow the game the right way. And there, it starts from the top, uh, with, with the world baseball classic. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have written a better script than that. That was, that finals was incredible. And I think the, even leading up to it, the narrative of like trout facing Otani, I mean, the setup was there, and then to see it in the ninth inning, you know, two outs, full count, ri- ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, like Hyung said, it, this this gave a real good spark to baseball as a sport. And the great thing is, is that I don't think any, you know, prior to this, a lot of people on social media, some, you know, haters are dogging on World Baseball Classic, calling a joke, calling it, you know, whatever no one cares about it. This is a waste of time, like Young was kind of mentioning. And I think this one, this time, this time around, it truly proved how you know incredible this tournament can be, and you know mm-hmm. how how awesome it was to watch. And I think the subsequent years coming, um, people are going to be pretty excited for this event more more than they were before. So I think it's a great thing for baseball. I think it did spark the hobby coming because I mean, if it's going to spark baseball fans and sports like not even just baseball fans i think it sparked sports enthusiasts enthusiasts and if that's the case then it should do the same to sports cards and we talked about this i think baseball cards even leading up to this were already sort of on the rise you can see a lot of movement the three of us here were looking to get some steals and deals and it just wasn't quite going down as much (laughs) as we wanted and we start to actually notice it start to climb 15 20 percent um so I, I think it, it it certainly sparked the hobby too and, and leading into the season I think it's gonna it's gonna be good. I mean this is the three of us, we we probably talk baseball the most, so we're obviously we're a little bit biased, but we're excited about it. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you know what, like while you're talking, I was thinking that baseball fans and baseball card collectors is there's the closest relation correlation between those two groups than any other sport, right? You know, we talked about before in past episodes, F1 fans and F1 card collectors. There's like a, you know, I feel like they're two distinct groups. You know, there are some overlap, but a lot of baseball fans happen to also be baseball card collectors. So to your point, John, I think the the excitement of the WBC this year 
um, definitely I feel like will spark the hobby from a baseball card collector standpoint. So it's exciting to see that. I think it's all, it was also exciting for the players. You know, like the players yeah. are also on social media, so you can really gauge their excitement and and how they, you know, Lindor says like, I'm ready to play in 2026 already. Like he's already committed. You know, I hope he's stays top of the game for another two years um, for for the Puerto Rican team to invite him back. But the players are amped, and you know, I think USA is going to be really tough. I I feel like that. This is just my thought, and I'm I don't have any definitive proof for this, but I feel like the pitchers. Um, the you know the the top tier p- pitchers for the U.S. team they all sat out because they didn't want to take the risk and they probably mm. thought the WBC is like a a glorified All Star game kind of thing. But I feel like they probably got a whiff of the excitement and the attention that WBC brought this year. Good point. Um, uh, because of what you said too, Kyung, about social media, like it's just in your face and it's 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 there, right? The presence of WBC is there. So I feel like in two years you're going to see some big pitching names on the U.S., and then they're going to be a really formidable team, right? If there was any knock on the U.S. team, it's probably their pitching rotation. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think the players are excited to go back in, in a couple of years, and, and they'll be exciting to watch. And, um, you know, even by that time, who knows where the hobby will be. But uh, I think baseball cards, again, like you said, John, it's on the rise now because of spring training. But I feel like as a whole, uh, people are just getting really excited about collecting baseball cards. So, Hopefully that continues. All right, let's go now to hobby headlines. So I saw this news drop today. A lot lot of things going on in the hobby. Never a dull moment. But I saw this in the news, and it involves Fanatics again, of course. Uh, No, they didn't buy Upper Deck. Not yet. And I don't... um, this, this news I'm going to tell you if you haven't heard already. I don't think it's the biggest product announcement in a generation they had teased before. Or is it? You tell me. <laughs> the announcement is that Fanatics signed a 20-year deal with Winners Alliance, which is the for-profit affiliate of the Professional Tennis Players Association. Um, and they signed a deal to produce tennis cards for the next two decades. And the cards will be made through the Tops brand. So we're going to have Tops tennis cards, essentially. So a few questions for you guys. First, specifically to this announcement, how do you think these cards will do when they're released? Do you think there'll be a lot of demand for them? And uh, do you think something like this can grow the game of tennis? Let's start there first. Man, um, I know initial thoughts are going to be like, uh, what are they doing? You know, it's another kind of like bust or whatever, because that's the traditional hobbyist, the way we think. But mm-hmm. here's where I think things will be different. You have fanatics running everything. Remember, yep. their, their, their moves seem to be all calculated and they seem to you know, really push the digital marketing kind of like narrative, right? So if you think about it, like even when F1 came out, you had basically tops running their marketing. Right. And to me, they, they didn't have a clue what they were doing. Like Fanatics is a whole different ballgame. They, when they came up with that news release, they were mentioning that Marketing was an area where they haven't even mm. tapped into. So they're trying to target an outside market that's never been targeted before. So we always see it in a hobbyist standpoint. But 
they're talking about, yeah, this is, we're not talking about the hobbyists. So from, from our point of view, it's always like, here we go again, another bus product. Uh, it's tops again, trying to, you know, uh, make money or whatever it is, but it's different, especially if they're partnering up with the right players. And over time, you know, they build, uh, pretty much, uh, that, that same supply demand with a whole different, uh, uh, targeted audience essentially. Right. I, I believe, uh, it's great for the, for the long run because it just creates more value in like the cards that we collect. Right. So I think they're just making kind of like the whole system of card collecting, um, you know, uh, like a lot more organized and, uh, like a platform where, you know, it's, it's consistent. Right. And I think they're building it among all sports. And that's why another reason why I'm bullish on, you know, sports cards in general is because you have a company like Fanatics that, you know, is, is dumping a boatload of money back into kind of like the, the industry to kind of like solidify all these, uh, fundamental, uh, things that are needed to kind of grow our marketplaces. Right. So yeah, mm. I, I, even though it's, it's not like a huge, I guess, personal thing for me where I'm like typical hobbyist, like honestly, I really don't care, but, um, I think in in the macro picture, it, it it is it is a bullish sign for me, just in general, just because I I like where Fanatics is going. I like their marketing approach to it, and that's essentially going to bring more value to our collectibles. Yeah, I can see that. Um, switching back to just the product itself, I'm I'm you know like the the taking the news at face value i'm pretty excited i'm i'm not even the big i mean i i was i enjoyed tennis back in the day and the sad part is we're kind of past the golden era of tennis um but i think it's going to be awesome and i I, tennis fans uh casual sports enthusiasts um we've been dying for a legitimate product no no knock on or maybe knock on netpro i don't know (laughs) but for tennis especially I think people have been dying for something like this. So to see, you know, flagship tops, Chrome tennis come out, I think to me, I think it's going to be hot. I think it's going to do really well. Now, some people might make the argument, uh, name the top ATP top 10 right now, name the top WTA (laughs) females. Like I couldn't name any of the top 10 other than maybe like, I'm sure, uh, you know, Djokovic is still up there. Um, But when you think about it, I don't even think it's going to be about the top 10 current because I don't think they can market that enough. I think it'll be, you know, we talked about this before, underrated, overrated legends of the sport outside, you know, the retired players. You're going to see like Pete Sampras, gold refractor. You're going to see Andre Agassi, gold refractor, like Roger Federer, um, Rafael Nadal, autos, dual autos. Like you're going to see that kind of stuff. And I think those chase products are going to be incredible if they, if they execute it well. So People probably aren't necessarily excited about the rookies and the current players today, but to go back and chase all the legends that you, you know, that people enjoyed over the last 30 years and to have the gold, red, super factor of these players, I think it's going to be huge. So pretty excited about it. I think it's going to do really well. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so for the reasons you guys both stated. And I think, um, who knows, like as a, I feel like the game of tennis is growing too internationally as well. 
And, you know, this next generation might be into these younger rookies that we have no idea so uh, true. who they are, right? So, um, and they signed a long-term deal. 20 years is not, it's not a couple years, it's 20 years, two decades. Right. So they, they obviously, I guess um, what you're saying, Hyung, too, they seem to have a plan to have committed to two year, uh, 20 years, right? So, uh, so that's a bullish sign for me as well. Um, I guess one question, a follow-up question is, do you think there's a chance that it might go down the the same route as F1 in that it comes out hot, you know, like F1 had their Netflix uh, series that got them on the map, so to speak. And then we saw what happened in the second, third year, kind of, I don't want to say fizzled, but definitely settled down. And you right. still have collectors that love F1 having come into F1 card collecting from the Drive to Survive series. But I definitely don't hear as much about them this year you know what i mean um so do you think that's um that's the same route that tennis might take i i per, i go back to kind of like fanatics's uh marketing strategy that's going to play the key role right is because they're intentionally you know marketing to a new uh set of group this really hasn't been done before hmm. uh even when f1 released right we relied on you know um uh, uh indirect form of marketing such as a netflix series to basically push kind of like that market and obviously you know a lot of people bought with emotion and that's what marketing essentially is right so yeah yeah, I think it's it's going to change a bit from the way like the old way of doing things that's why I'm a little more excited this time it goes back to that first statement I was making it's it's you have guys that are um you know are targeting are marketing these products so it's like the 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 players association deal is huge it's massive because now you have you know everybody on board in terms of you know the people uh the the athletes on tour you have right. the partnerships uh with with um with tops which is a known brand for collecting they're marketing to uh, the tennis world and the the tennis fan that's never been done before so it's literally um I think uh, it's going to definitely help them be able to attract a whole different uh, customer base in. And this is now intentional as opposed to kind of like the F1 was unintentional, like tops, you know, throwing whatever sticks on the wall. And it's like, great, you know, and (laughs) they were on a bullish run anyways, the last, you know, two, three years because of the, the, the pandemic. Right. So yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like, I like where it's headed. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Mm. Yeah, it is a good point. I think if you peel away the potential of what fanatics can do from a marketing standpoint, um, just on the basis of that question, I think it's going to go exactly the way F1 did. I think that first product is the product to chase. I think yeah. the subsequent products are just not going to be as great because I, unless, um, you know, like some tennis phenoms, female or male come into, in, into the picture for the following subsequent years for like a big chase. Um, I think it's going to follow the exact trend line of being the, the, the initial release will be the hot product, um, amongst all the releases. Now, there is that wild card. I think if Fanatics, and we're hoping Fanatics does a much better job of marketing, um, creating the, the product and, and making it in a way that's going to, um, please the audience for the second, third, and subsequent years. If there isn't a rookie chase, if there isn't something, including hits that can really mm-hmm. bring people to the product. I think there is that wild card in play, but 
taking out fanatics is marketing potential marketing ploy um yeah from from a straight like straight line perspective it's gonna i think it's gonna go exactly the same as f1 so yeah. everyone go for that first yeah. everyone go for that first <laughs> series and then subsequent i'm sure it'll fizzle out <laughs> yeah I, I could totally see that happening too but um uh it'll be yeah you know i yeah the first set's gonna be insane i i think it's gonna be yeah. probably something i don't want to pay that much for just because i'm afraid it's just gonna the demand's gonna be so high um but uh i was thinking about this too do you think fanatics should get into more of these niche sports like how strongly do you believe in their marketing strategy that they could replicate this to like other sports like even as small as you know lacrosse cricket or rugby do you know what i mean do you think there's potential to grow i i do think that because here's why technology that we mm. we haven't we have yet to see the potential of blockchain technology still so like think of experiences for instance i just i like we're like implementing these strategies kind of in into our own businesses but like an experience like who knows what fanatics is up to in terms of experiences or their access to memorabilia you know um the type of experience you're having it's it, it, it's not it's no longer just ripping packs and pulling right. cards right it's like attached with whatever chase there is there's a lot more to collecting or you know um you know the hobby than just what we perceive to be because mm. i think i think we're still gonna find out and i think that's why fanatics can do a lot more their their ability to you know create uh, a whole different user experience i think uh is is the biggest thing and that's how they get the niche area, niche markets, marketplaces, because now it's bigger than just, oh, you could pull a, a card and it's worth whatever the market dictates, right? It's like you got the actual diehard fans that are into this because it's a form of collecting, but it's also a form of experience. Like, uh, there's other chases right. that, that make it more, um, you know, uh, valuable in terms of the user experience. So that's why it's like we have yet to see what Fanatics is able to do. So I think we're looking at it from one perspective that card collecting is going to remain the same as it was the last, you know, um, three, four years. And there's no innovation on that front, which for me doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint if Fanatics is going in there you know, and spending that this much money, they're intentionally saying we have something absolutely massive. They're they're intentionally targeting marketing uh, and and making it a point. So all these things, like I said, it it goes back to kind of like, yeah, I believe that they can hit any market up at this point because they're gonna look at it from a totally different perspective than Tops and Panini were ever doing, right? Yeah. And with the resources that they currently have. You know who knows if if I'm the CEO of you know Fanatics, I'm I'm doing something crazy, so, something along the lines <laughs> of you know building a unbelievable user experience and collectible experience, right? So, um, my opinion on niche sports, it it really depends. I think the challenge, obviously, on North American side, is to convince North Americans to watch a niche sport when I never you know I never did right. previously. On the the international side. Fanatics has to convince not necessarily the sports, but has to convince people that sports cards, right? So you're trying to market sports cards on the one hand. Yeah. And for us, you're trying to market the sport. I think it's going to be a huge challenge um, to strategize around niche sports. Like, you know, like you, you said, rugby, 
uh, like cricket. These are monstrous international sports. But to convince the three of us to start watching cricket and to to learn the players' names and to know the history and Hall of Famers and all of that stuff, that is a hefty hefty challenge. So I don't I don't I think niche sports, unless it's an, unless it's a North American niche sport, um trying to convince north americans to start watching out of nowhere like international sports or international yeah. niche sports i think that's going to be probably a little bit out of their uh wheelhouse so probably you know they'll probably do something else niche you know like yeah, for example yeah. you know like doing jackass cards and like movie cards and stuff i think that's going to be probably the better niche play than actual sports but mm. um yeah yeah no good point as well um, I had something similar to that. Like, I think they got to strategize by distributing maybe locally in parts of the world where the sport is super popular, but also to what you just said, John, the hobby is also popular. You know, like there's got to be right. kind of both. Um, but, but I think that could, uh, you know, uh, what Xiong mentioned, like with uh, user experience or with like in real life experience to, to provide added value to the cars that they chase might be of broader interest to, people outside of the hobby a little bit, you know, that, that might bring them in. Right. So that might be a way to get people in. Um, so, but I, I, I hear your point about like North Americans, you know, getting them interested in niche sports. It might be easier for fanatics or any other company really to go internationally where the sport is already popular. And then you provide these added value to the cards and get them into the hobby that way and just kind of grow the hobby internationally. You know, like we already know it's huge in North America. Like that, that's where all the money's at right now. But, um, you know, uh, it, it wouldn't be a bad business move to venture outwards out of North America and grow the, grow the hobby internationally too. So, right. so yeah, I think there's a play uh, for niche sports, but more on an international basis. And then who knows, you know, like, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are from different parts of the world that live in North America now and, and that are growing every year. You know, the demographics are changing all the time. So um, it could, over time, certain niche sports I could see gaining popularity here, but but it'll definitely take time for sure. Um, all right. Uh, well, we mentioned uh, F1 and just the whole Netflix thing. And speaking of Netflix, that's my um, segue. Um, I just wanted to bring this up if you didn't hear already. On April 28, Netflix will be releasing King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, which is classified under reality TV. So I'm guessing it'll be a series on the hobby featuring Ken Golden, of course. Um, are you guys interested in watching? What do you guys think? I think I am. You know, like, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm big on, you know, where the hobby's going and how they're marketing it. And this is, one form where, you know, Ken Golden is a pretty important piece in the hobby, a very influential person that a lot of uh, a lot of celebrities and a lot of, you know, people in the hobby look up to just based on what he's built uh, in terms of his auction house and, you know, his yeah. influence within the hobby. So uh, it makes sense. Um, you know, somebody had to do it. And it, uh, I'm glad that, you know, it's going to reach, you know, uh, a lot more people at the end of the day, because this is part of the stuff that we're talking about is we need uh, more eyes on the hobby to make it as sustainable and not volatile the way it is, you know, marketplace. So uh, the more eyes on it, the better for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to watch it. I'm excited. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think every hobbyist is looking forward to it. Maybe we're not optimistic that it's going to be amazing, but at the least, I think everybody is curious 
um, sure. to take a, to take a look at it. So yeah, I'm 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 very curious to to watch it. So when it comes out, I'll definitely definitely watch it. Yeah, when it comes out, uh, maybe the week or a week after that, we'll uh, we'll devote a hobby headline segment to it to see how the show actually is. We'll trash it or we'll we'll say, oh, this is actually really good. But um, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Ken Golden, for you know, for one reason or another, he's very polarizing guy in the hobby you know you either uh, love what he's doing with golden auctions or or you just hate the guy like i've seen so many haters out there that just and (laughs) ken golden can't do anything right in their eyes right so yeah uh, but the funny thing is they're we're all going to be watching you know the haters are going to watch it um just to like get more kind of you know uh um i don't know ammunition ammunition yeah yeah, just to for their own social channels and, and the people that you know, don't mind him and like the hobby are going to be watching him. So everyone in the hobby, I'm sure is going to be watching this Netflix series. Um, the question, the bigger question is, will people outside the hobby be interested enough to see, Hey, what's this King of collectibles all about, which is um, what we're all hoping to as well in terms of trying to grow the hobby. So we'll see, but we'll definitely devote um, at least one show to, um, to this series um, once it comes out late April. All right, uh, let's move on now to our next segment. We're calling Buy, Sell, Hold. We've done this segment before. And um, just as a reminder, for this segment, I'm going to give you guys a list of names. And you tell me if you're buying, selling, or holding their cards. And the common theme of the names on this list for today's episode is that they are all currently injured and they're projected to come back at least a month or two or even longer in some cases. All right, so... They're injured guys right now, so it'll be interesting to see how we play these cards. Since baseball's coming next week, I'm going to start off by throwing uh, three three baseball um, guys to start the list. Uh, Jose Altuve, he's expected out until um, at least June 1st. And I believe he got the injury in the WBC, right? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a thumb. <laughs> but uh, June 1st, Jose Altuve, what are you doing with his cards? Man, I think Jose Altuve, first of all, gets absolutely no love, just in general. Yeah, definitely not. Um, right. Same with everybody on the Houston Astros, uh, Alex Bregman, you know, list goes Jordan, on, right? Jordan yeah. Alvarez, uh, you know, yeah, uh, Tucker. Uh, like, there's there's, there's so many guys that, you know, just don't get love. And Altuve is one of them. And if you're talking about, you know, future, you know, potential Hall of Famers, I think Jose Altuve definitely is one. Um, and... You know, his cards are super undervalued in the first place. So I didn't know. I'm, And with that said, I don't have any Jose Altuve cards. Um, uh, but, you know, like I, I think he's a buy in general. I think for, from a long term perspective, like there's a lot of like market corrections, like I said, that need to happen once people start realizing where. Uh, collectibles are and the impact like these players leave on sports and where they end up in a, in terms of the Hall of Fame uh, career. You look back in past in marketplaces um, and uh, extrapolate the data of, you know, future or uh, past Hall of Famers. And, you know, there are so many opportunities where you could have bought and you're like, ah, the, mar- the market's soft anyways. Nobody buys Altuve. And then, you know, in the long term, though, you know, those cards start disappearing that are super rare. And, you know, people aren't day trading, you know, the the larger cards of these, you know, players that are superstars in the MLB. So for me, his market's so so down in general for his talent. 
Um, so I think there's a huge buying opportunity in general. So yeah, like I'm a buy, uh, for Jose Altuve, um, because okay. I'm, I'm in it long-term. So, or at least I view him long-term, I'm not yeah. flipping. Mm. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to pack on to the Jose Altuve hating train. I'm going to say so. <laughs> and what you know, I don't necessarily, I don't I'm not, I'm not a hater of Jose Altuve. I just think he is undervalued. And he is polarizing and, and I guess hated, but I don't see him coming out of that. That's my thing. I think Hyung is accurate in that he's probably on his way to a possible Hall of Fame career, but he's also not really moving the needle, right? He's not like a top five MLB. He's not uh, wowing on a nightly basis. He's not, there's no needle moving. And I think even in the future, if he does get, you know, he's starting to go down Legends Row and he does get the announcement. And if, and if he just continues his path of slow and steady path, his slow and steady path, I think it's just going to, I don't feel like there's going to be any excitement card wise or investment wise for Jose or like opportunity for investment. So unless you are uh, a diehard Astros fan or a diehard Altuve fan who PCs him, um, investment wise for the rest of us, I think I would just sell while you can. Um, maybe there is a slight play on him, but I don't see it as much as young. So I'm, I'm going to say sell all the way. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to say, man, cause I can see both points pretty evenly. <laughs> and, um, I'm just looking at his cards, like his 2011 tops update, the base PSA 10, uh, pop counts 3,200, right? So it's up there. Um, but it's also $99, right? Mm. So, I mean, I'm gonna, at those prices, it's, it's, why not just buy <laughs> 99 bucks? <laughs> but I mean, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't want to base. So I looked at like the, the cognac diamond anniversary, the 2011 update. And of right. course, that pop kind's much lower, right? It's, uh, what is it? It's, um, 116 PSA 10. And, uh, if you're going to guess how much that is, PSA 10, what would you say? 350. Yeah, I would have guessed 400. Yeah, 410. So it's yeah, not bad. That's for cheap. Kanye, I'm yeah, buying. That's so thought, you know what? Buy and hold. Might as well, this right? guy has a 46 war and he started late and yeah. he's, you know, 32. He has a good five, six years at least. Mm. So I, I think I, I think 400 bucks, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. So. So for the you know these more rare ones, maybe not the tops update base, but the cognac for four hundred bucks, um, and if it's if it gets suppressed even more because of this thumb injury, you know you're not even look, thinking to Hyung's point for Jose Altuve at least it's not a short term flip, right? He's played a lengthy career, might as well buy it um, at these lower prices and just hold and see you know over time. Um, hopefully he gets the respect that he deserves. All right, uh, next guy on the list, I have. Bryce Harper expected out till at least end of May. Um, I think what was it, shoulder or elbow? One of the one of the two. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he won't be um, back for the beginning of the season. But he will be missing at least a couple months. What are you doing with Bryce? Man, um, for me, Bryce Bryce is super underrated too. Actually, he's he's he he had a little bump in his price last year with with MVP, and people don't realize, man. Like he wins one more MVP, you know, and he's still young. He wins one mm-hmm. more MVP. He's tied with Trout with with three. Right. So 
And he I could mean, win one more. And he's very realistic to win one more. Uh, very doable, the, the type of player he is, right? So... Uh, for me, I think he's super underrated. Uh, but I, but again, we we went through a, um, you know, a period where he had a huge bump after his MVP uh, season. But um, I know prices have slowed down a bit on him, and especially with his injury. So I'm either a holder or a buy it uh, with Harper too. I've been uh, a holder or buy for the last year with with Bryce Harper anyway. So right, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I'm not a big Bryce guy. I think the two of you guys are bigger on Bryce than I am. But even with that, I'm going to say bye. Because we mentioned Altuve. Now we move on to Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper, number one, he rejuvenated his career over the last 24 months. Similar to Manny Machado. I think they were both kind of got their big new contracts and then just kind of went to like dud, you know, from stud to duds, and then they, right. I think they both rejuvenate their careers. And Bryce, um, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to pick him last year or pick up some cars, and they couldn't. And if you're if you're in the market to buy Bryce Harper and have him long term or not even long term, I think Bryce again he moves a needle, so he has good opportunity for short term volatility. So I think this is a great time to buy. I'm going to say buy on Bryce Harper. Yeah. The only thing that concerns me about Bryce Harper is he does get into these, like, he gets injured, right? And I guess yeah. you could say that same thing about Mike Trout, especially over the last five seasons. So it's I guess it's your confidence level. And um, I'm going to say hold. Like, I, I, I believe in Bryce Harper's talent, but his health kind of, you just don't know which year he's going to play a full season. And, and when he does play a full season, he's obviously elite. But... But yeah, you just never know he's when, when he will play that full season. So if I have it, I'm just holding, just checking his prices. His 2011 Bowman Chrome, uh, his first auto, uh, prospect auto, PSA 10, last sold for 17.25, And last year at its peak, um, when he was playing really well, it sold for almost 3K. So about a 40% drop. And um, it's kind of leveling out there. So... Yeah, I think it's still a hold. I'm not selling after that drop. I could see it easily go back to up to 3K for, with another MVP type season. Okay, one more baseball guy. Walker Bueller. Always considered an ace every year. But um, yeah, he's out till September 1st, at least September 1st. What are you how doing is, with Walker Bueller? How's his market? Um, like, I like Walker Bueller. I think he's he's one of the best uh, arms, you know, in the National League. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously for him, you know, he's still young, but health is a, you know, a right. huge question mark um, with, with any pitchers. Right. And he could go back and pitch another 10, 15 years like he's doing and it might be amazing. But I think there's so much time because he's he's a little younger. Like, I don't even know um, how, old how old he is. is. Yeah. I want to say he's um, like 28. 28. Maybe. Yep. Yeah, he's 27, 28. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's he still has a few few years in his arm, but I I I would imagine that his his market is soft anyways to begin with. So, I'm either um, you know, I'm not big on buying Walker. So, if I'm if I bought into Walker Bueller and, you know, prices are sideways, I'd probably hold. But otherwise, I'd probably sell and then wait uh wait until he establishes a bit more in his career before I commit to uh, something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, 
sell. Yeah. Yeah, Walker, is is this the, the same injury, like, continuing from last season? Do you guys know? I believe so. Yeah, I'm not oh. sure. Yeah, so his but market he threw, was... Yeah, he only threw 65 yes. innings, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. His market four was soft, and, and I think people were... Sorry, go ahead, Clark. Um, it was a forearm strain. I'm just seeing if it was Tommy John, so that might be another reason why he's not coming back until the fall. Right. At least the fall. Right. I mean, his market was soft to begin with. I think some people were high on him at the beginning of last season, and then he was riddled with injuries, and he missed the playoffs. He missed the playoffs, right? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say hold, too. Uh, if you have him, there's no point of selling for on pennies on the dollar. And I don't think September 1st is a lengthy, lengthy timeline. We don't know what he, how hot he's going to be coming back. I think there could be a play because he could be – back in the mix um, if, if for the playoffs. So there could be some, you never know, like a big bu- massive spike from the playoffs. But uh, for now, there's no reason to to make any kind of move for Walker Buehler. So I'm going to say hold. All right. It's an easy one for me. I'm selling. Sell, sell, sell. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a Walker Buehler. I bought it raw two, three years ago. Got it graded. Came back a PSA 9. This is his 2015 Bowman Chrome Draft autograph, base auto. And I uh, came back at PSA 9. Um, I think I sold it for almost 200 bucks. Oh, nice. And I probably broke even, right? With the grading fees and everything. So, pitchers, man. Pitchers, you know? yeah. I always get burned with those damn pitchers. <laughs> and and I'm looking at his 2015 Bowman Chrome Refractor PSA 10 sold for 220 So, it's, it's coming down a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just general rule for me now. Unless his name is Nolan Ryan, I'm not buying a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Hey, I will say I'm I'm in on I'm 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 on a buy with Clayton Kershaw and Verlander. Oh yes, yeah. like Kershaw. It's, yes, it's, it's hard it's hard <clears throat> to find you know cards that like a good Kershaw for instance. So yeah. it takes it takes literally like a year to buy a good Kershaw and Verlander. Yeah. So that's why I'm, those are the <laughs> only Dodgers pitchers fans that have, I would those say those Dodgers fans have. Yeah, Kershaw locked down. Oh man, mm-hmm. freak! He's so good. Yeah. True, true. Um, Kershaw's always on my watch list, so yeah. I'm with you. All right, one basketball player and then one hockey f- to end off the segment. Chet Holmgren, OKC, second overall, got injured. Everyone was so fearful of this happening, and it happened. It was almost like we manifested it happening. We shouldn't have thought negative thoughts. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, he's been out. He should be back next season, hopefully. Um, but, uh, yeah, Chet Holmgren, what are you doing? I'm selling. Um you know, I, I see uh, a Porzingis-type player at best. Mm. So it's like, mm. you know, you follow the markets, extrapolate the the data, you know, how Porzingis' market is. He He's going to be a, a big chase in terms of, you know, just uh, the basketball market in general. So if you're, uh, yeah, I would sell. Uh, a good time to definitely sell when, you know, while there's still value left. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. Me too. It's easy. I'm a sell. I'm not high on Chet. I think he can turn out to. I think that's a great comp. I think the the upside is kind of like a good Porzingis, which is which is a great, like a really big NBA player. Um, but I based on the hype of him coming in last the last year, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not big on him enough to to spend big money. So while he's still in that three year hype window, and I'm sure his cards are flattened 
or diffused from the hype to begin with, but I still probably will have to assume um, it's still hyped up. It's still a bit overinflated. So take advantage of that and sell. And if you really like Chet, I, I think in, you know, maybe not next year, but the year after when he's outside of that three-year window, um, yeah, you could get back into him. But for the time being, no, nah, I'm, I'm a sell too. All right, Chet Holmgren. Wow, like the with the hype, the upside wasn't Porzingis. The hub, upside was KD. You guys no, didn't hear those no, reports? No, that's that's yo no. man. I could see that. Come on, that's disrespect. <laughs> that's disrespect. Respect to KD. I'm in on Wemby though. Like that. That's like that's the type of player I'd be in on. You know, uh, come on. I, same I say, same body type. The no, very no, skinny. He's definitely a step down. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> On, you can boys. tell Wembenyama <laughs> has like an actual. He is skinny, but he has a frame. Like he could build, kind of like T Mac, if he were to build that right. muscle. Chad could be in the. He could be in the gym all day long, twenty four seven. He's still going to have the same body. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you guys are harsh, and uh, I'm not. I don't know if I'm just defending Chet because I bought like. Um, he does have a lot of cards. It's like Bowman next, you know. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's not a lot out mm. there for him yet, anyway. But uh, I did pick up one of his candy digital um, uh, NFT cards, and I'm, uh, I, nice. I, it's, it's worth nothing now, right? Like you know, I spent a couple hundred on them, and so for me, it's a hold. Like I might as well hold, you know. And yeah. and um, with all that said, with all my defense of Chet Holmgren, once he comes back, it has five decent games. I'm selling right away. So, <laughs> so you know, I can't I can't take the risk with his foot. And oh man, come on. I yeah. went against my better judgment picking up his NFT. So <laughs> can't win all the time. So Chet, sorry, holding and then just give me a week. Give me one good week of basketball. <laughs> He's a sell. <laughs> but in OKC, they're an exciting team, right? So hopefully, hopefully he does something for them. All right, last guy for hockey. Uh, we could start with John first for this one. Cole Caulfield. Oh, you guys. What happened to him? What, what was his injury? He's out till uh, September fifteenth. Yeah, I think he had a like a nagging shoulder injury, and then oh, okay. it probably flared up, and they just decided, okay, let's just shut him down. Um, he'll he'll be back. I, I, Cole Caulfield's a buy for me. I, we I've mentioned Cole, him before. He's a goal scorer, and he is one of the better goal scorers in the league. And he has that type of ability to score 40, 50, Rocket Richard Trophy type of players. So, I think he is starting to slip out of that hype bubble next year there's still going to be some hype on him so it is going to be slightly inflated but i think cole caulfield uh for cole caulfield buyers this is great news to see him go down with his shoulder injury because you're (laughs) going to see his prices go even lower than they should and it's a great buying opportunity so yes he's a buy okay Hmm. yeah well I'm waiting for a Cole Caulfield to come back from PSA because I just checked prices and, you know, I pulled that just out of a, just a, a hobby box of upper deck. So Which yeah, one? he's nice. young guns. That's no, just hand. the young guns. And I was like, damn, okay. it's 300 us yeah. <laughs> for a PSA 10. I'm like, yo, I'm selling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in general, I think John's right. Like over the next period of time, you know, if there's a good uh, Cole Caulfield, like, um, uh, you know, an SPA or whatever, uh, where, you know, price makes sense because, you know, people are selling because there's more sellers than buyers. I think there might be an opportunity to snag something, um, you know, 
but I think there's going to be a I think his young guns is going to take a huge hit. You're going to see his price come down. So I'm a sell at that point, um, uh, just in general and with a future, you know, potential buy. You know, I do that de- definitely like what he brings. And, you know, he's su- still super young. He's 22 years old, still yeah. has a lot in the tank. So, uh, I, yeah, I just think the timing of it is 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 a sell right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the sad I was part, looking- sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the sad part for Caulfield buyers is that his SP Authentic is not even out. So you can't even take advantage. Right. And, oh, right. And when that I was product wondering comes if it was, yeah. Yeah. And when that product comes out, it's He's going to be one of the big chases and his card's going to be worth a lot he's of money. Be hyped. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if I, if, if I wanted to buy Caulfield, I would want SP Authentic and it's not mm. available right now at a great time to try to buy him. So that's, that's the sad part. <laughs> yeah someone that wants to buy it like it'll be over a thousand bucks for sure right so yeah. uh yeah i was just gonna say his young guns psa 10 pop counts 95 so there's not a lot of them out there i'm surprised wow. um but uh surprised at that too march of 2022 so early last year i guess that was his rookie year right um sold for as high as 815 800 bucks and That's now crazy. like kyung said it's it's uh down to 300 but even then, it's 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 it hasn't been a steep decline. It's kind of a natural, mm. you know, slow decline, and it's kind of stabilizing at three hundred. Looks like that's where the, you know, that's where it's kind of settling at. So, I'm a, um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a sell too. I think it could go down a bit further, but um, definitely, um, uh, yeah, I'm curious, really curious to see what the SB Authentic Future Watch autos will go yeah. for. I'd rather, I'd rather spend a little bit more for that card. Okay, that's another round of buy, sell, hold. We'll do another round, um, I'm sure, in another future episode. Okay, let's end off our show with our regular weekly segment we call Pick One. And if uh, you're new to the show, uh, this is our, this is where each of us will come out with a couple of cards or a couple of players, and then we just each debate which one we would rather invest in. All right, so Hyung, do you want to start things off for us? Sure. Um, I'm I'm looking for a cheaper Soto. If I were okay. to look for a cheaper Soto and I narrowed it down to two, um, I guess when I say cheaper Soto, it's still expensive because Soto market's you know pretty pretty uh, crazy lately. Yeah. I think it's up like twenty thirty percent. But um, a US uh, three hundred, so twenty eighteen tops update Juan Soto Rainbow Foil PSA ten with a pop count of three hundred ninety two. Last sold for seven four hundred and seventy bucks. Okay, okay. Versus a twenty eighteen Topps Chrome Update Juan Soto HMT fifty five Pink Refractor PSA ten, which with the pop count of seven forty eight sold for six hundred and nine dollars. You going mm-hmm. with the Pink Refractor? I know John John really likes this card, uh, the Pink Refractor. Mm-hmm. Or would you go with the Rainbow Foil with the lower pop count and the cheaper price, but it's paper. Yeah, mm. this is this is like the classic one v one. We've probably done this one uh, a handful of times, and <laughs> this was a personal one for me because I think at one point I was asking you guys for legitimate advice because I wanted. That was to when buy so it. it was when it was a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is a great price right now. I think the the pink refractor at one point. Uh, sorry for people that missed out, but I think it was going as low as like four hundred, four fifty, something like that. And I'm sure wow. the rainbow foil. On the on the side was probably around three hundred. So, <clears throat> um, I'm still. I can see the arguments both ways. Like I can see the argument for Rainbow Foil. Like the pop count looks really juicy. Um, some people like the way the Rainbow Foil lo- looks better. 
Honestly, it's a coin flip. It can go either way. I'm going to slightly go with the refractor because I just personally like Topps Chrome. I like the way refractors look. Long term, I think people just also like to search and like to have the the word refractor a part of their collection, right? And it's tough to get the flagship image in a refractor because the pink is the entry, right? So I think even long term for a Soto refractor over the rainbow foil, I think even if you're just to pit the two parallels against each other, I think the refractor is going to hold bigger name value. So the pricing kind of shows, but I'm still, I'm going to, you know, 51 to 49, I'm picking the pink refractor. Mm, nice. Okay. Yeah, we've done this one before, I feel, and I, I, I feel every time we do it, I just keep changing my mind. I can't even remember what I did, <laughs> yeah. but I chose I, last I actually time. almost just changed my mind to Rainbow Foil, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I to gotta dig through our archives to see what I actually chose last time. Yeah. But um, I feel like I chose the Rainbow Foil last time because I had something against the pink refractor specifically. Mm. And, and um, that hasn't changed. And then mm. I don't know if I knew this before, but the lower pop count at 392, the lower price point, I mean, that's that's a no-brainer for me. So right. I'm going, you know, the lower pop count, the lower price, and it might end up being a hobby logic thing where it just doesn't flip based on the lower population count versus the pink refractor. But it has a chance, I think, once people realize, you know, and, and although it's paper, um, still the same image and uh rainbow foil just looks better in person to me too so i'm gonna go with uh the rainbow foil nice um i think uh i think there's like good opportunity for both um and the reason why i think a lot of people like the pink refractor like john was saying there's not a lot of uh parallels Right. Especially Topps Chrome update, um, you know, because once you hit the refractor, it's numbered to 250 and then you have your X fractors numbered to 99 and then um, you have your colors basically. Right. Your your gold and then orange and then red and then your super. And that's the only parallels. And then from the paper side, you have rainbow foil and then tops gold and then kind of like your paper parallels, your indies, your blacks and your your father's Mother's Day. Right. So mm. like. There's not a lot of parallels, so the pink refractor seems like the better choice. But for me, if it wasn't pink, like I like, if it was just a straight refractor, I, I definitely want it. But like something about that pink is is not like I'm not completely sold. Whereas me as a collector, I've I've had that rainbow foil Juan Soto PSA ten, and it's a beautiful card Ooh. in hand. Like. Right. Uh, even though it's paper, it's like just so shiny. Um, the way 2018 pops and the rainbow foil was a great year for rainbow foils. And like Clark was saying, the low pop count um, and the 400 uh, whatever and change that the price point, I think it's it's a good marriage in terms of a good buy based on Soto cards, right? Because it's so tough to find, you know, just any, any non-base Soto rookie card and mm -hmm. put it part of your collection. So I think a rainbow foil at 400 bucks is a, is a great deal. So I'm going to go with the rainbow foil as well. Although, you know, I think the PSA 10 uh, pink is also a good one, but 
you know, it's obviously a higher price point. So I just, yeah, I wanted to see what you guys would have uh, done if it was like a $500 budget, you know, and you're buying yeah. Soto. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. We'll do this one in three, four months again. <laughs> it might change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See what the prices are then. Yeah. All right. Good one. Uh, John, you want to go next? All right. We're sticking with baseball. I have a very similar type of 1v1. <clears throat> we're going to go with the 2018 Topps Chrome uh, Shohei Otani Blue Refractor, the one where he's pitching with the white jersey, versus, which is a PSA 10, which goes for around 2500 the numbered blue refractor versus the 2018 Topps Chrome Shohei Otani Sapphire PSA 10, which goes for around $3,000. Aesthetically, they both look very, very similar, yeah. other than a couple of uh, like Atomic Sapphire graphic designs. One is numbered. The cheaper one is numbered. So, sorry, I, I forgot to mention. Uh, specifically long-term, for somebody who's looking to pick up one of these two, long-term investment which one are you going um i could go first i don't know if this is another hobby logic thing to me i'm gonna go for the numbered one and it's cheaper <laughs> so long term i'm guessing i'm hoping the hobby will come around say hey wait a minute one's numbered one isn't you know there's manufacturer scarcity for the sapphire apparently and uh although i like the look of the sapphire the the blue is really nice but um right but, uh, you know, I mean, the photos that you sent for us to check out, John, like, they look identical. Like, you got to hold it in hand to actually see the difference. Yeah. Well, the shine of the sapphire in in hand to really see the difference. So, And the uh, blue, I'm sure, pops for the Topps Chrome anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, 2500 bucks, say 500 bucks on a number card. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that all day. Nice. Mm. Um you know what? I was just uh, looking. I so I I had that blue Ot Otani card, you know, um, and I wish I had it still. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think I I bought it at the time. It wasn't it wasn't way different. I remember it was like sixteen hundred. Yeah. So that I was at I the had show, that. right? Yeah, I I like I like that image. I think I think the long term card for the Otani. I remember we debated this too whether the red jersey versus the the uh, image number 700 and in, in top series two, it was kind of like his rookie card to have. And I remember I, I said, I like the white Jersey, you know, where he's up tall. Um, and I think that's the card to go to. So these are the two cards I would, I would be interested in, but long-term I agree with Clark. Um, I just checked the pop counts too. You, you know what? The, the Sapphire card is an amazing card. It's one of the cards that I would like to have in my collection. The pop count, is at 102 so it's a, a little high especially for that production run is uh that that sapphire set was like it has acuna it has uh glaber it has all these you know 2018 chases that uh especially that that bat down image right mm -hmm. and um it was i remember you know they were selling boxes for like two thousand dollars so it's a super super rare set so the sapphire otani was a huge chase uh as well but like i said it's a pop 100 you're paying you know 500 dollars more for uh a card that has 50 more in existence it virtually looks the same because it's it's both blue but then on the blue side it's a pop 50 you know and you know it's five hundred dollars cheaper. It's it's true blue. I'm taking that uh, card all day. The blue Otani, hundred <laughs> percent. 
Yeah, baby. Mm. Ooh, I don't know what to. I don't know what to think. So you guys I might know buy I it right this, now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know I, I've owned the Sapphire before. It's a, it's a great know, car. You, you know did the, well though. I did, I did well on it. Yeah. Um, nice. You know my one knock on the Otani Sapphire is if you guys and for folks listening check check the images but the 2018 Sapphire, um, you guys a classic design and you see those streaks kind of going upwards, and I first wanted the Sapphire because I so loved the Acuna Sapphire and the Acuna Sapphire when you look at it and I didn't notice this until I got the Otani in hand and I I picked it up and I and I looked at it and i was like wait a minute this is weird like it was a bit underwhelming and then when i went back to look at images uh, i don't know if people notice this but the acuna sapphire has the sapphire graphics on the entire card whereas for some reason the otani sapphire Mm -hmm. doesn't have the sapphire graphics on the streaks it only has it above his head and like kind of going down the narrow of his body yeah yeah so when you actually hold the card in hand, it really is not that much different than the Blue Refractor. Right. Whereas the Acuna Sapphire just is the whole thing is just sparkling and it looks amazing. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just little, you know, little uh, small <laughs> nuance. But um, man, I, this one's tough. Like I, I think I have a soft spot for the Sapphire because number one, I owned it. I think visually, if you are a collector, the Sapphire is just so cool. Like the the way the card looks. Um, I think there is a point to be made, and this is where I'm struggling with. I think there's a point to be made because the Acuna Sapphire is just so iconic, and that's a little different because we're talking the SP and no parallels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But because the Acuna Sapphire has made this particular set and the graphic so iconic, it could potentially carry also the Otani at this point, and and perhaps maybe Otani is going to start carrying the torch from here on in. Um, cause I, you know me, I've been sort of knocking Sapphire over the last little bit. Um, but it's tough. I, I think everything you guys say, the blue refractor makes sense. And I, I think I want to pick it, but if you're to just put the, both of these cards in front of my face, even a $500 more price point and a little bit higher pop as a collector, Otani collector, I, I, I probably could not not say yes to the sapphire so again this is like a 51 49 i gotta go with the sapphire maybe it's a bit of bias but i could see all the points of why you should pick the blue refractor as well but yeah all right aesthetically i gotta go with the sapphire yeah could definitely see that too all right we'll end off with my um pick one okay i'm gonna change it from what i originally sent to you guys before because i just found out the the final sale price of the 2011 Tops Update Mike Trout, the Hope Diamond Anniversary Parallel, uh, PSA 6, but it's numbered to 60, just sold for 15400 Wow. Right? And um, I'm going to put that up against the 2011 Tops Update Mike Trout Gold, which I believe there's only 50 PSA 10s. That's sold for 11 k So... Which one are you doing? 11K for the gold? Or you the already Hope know my answer. I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a big numbered guy. Like, I'm a, like that Hope is the Trout Grail. Other than mm. his Bowman Chrome, the Hope is the Grail. So it's is like. Is that the lowest even, numbered? It's, yeah, it's, it's basically the. 
um, I would say it's it's one of the biggest chase cards as a trout collector. You know, right. you're looking for the hope hope diamond anniversary edition and right you know clearly that's 15k at psa 6 yeah yeah like but that thing is that thing is crazy because i remember a a black a trout update black sold for like 35k and that was like a bgs eight eight and a half so um yeah the hope isn't a bad buy i think i think it's just with these cards you just have have such uh you know long-term value in my opinion you 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 don't see these cards come up to auction uh quite uh, frequently maybe you know uh the the guy thought you know trout was gonna have an amazing wbc so he was gonna get a bump in <laughs> kind of like that price but i think uh i'm going with the 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 hope for sure like although wow. like the gold psa 10 especially i can't i i seen that card for like I remember when it was so cheap and the fact that it's like 11 K uh, it's just like, I can't, I can't buy into the gold PSA 10 at 11 K. <laughs> I know what that feels like. Yeah. You all of a sudden wanted, you're making me kind of s- switch my opinion. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start from, I'm going to start from the beginning. So I'm not, you guys know me. I'm not a big, uh, I, I do like trout, but I've never really chased this cards. And I think, most of that has to do with the fact that his cards are super expensive. But as a casual, uh, I didn't even know what the Hope Diamond was. I guess that's how rare the card is. Um, so for me, it, it, it's one of those like super rare Grail cards that I didn't know I was supposed to like. But now that Hyung is saying that it's the Grail of Grails, I'm like, oh, I actually do kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that being said, I think I'm going to speak to the masses of everybody that's like me. Um, you know, people that are looking at the, you know, they can only really afford the update, uh, the base card, and they don't really know of Hope Diamond and Cognac Diamond. They don't know the differences. And it's a little bit confusing because the parallels are the naming conventions and the styles are a lot different than present day. Uh, so it does get a bit, little confusing for like a casual. So I think for me, it's pretty easy. Like take the, you know, a Trout Gold and I'm assuming that's numbered as well from the for the year 2011. 2011, yeah, yeah. PSA 10, super liquid. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, a quote unquote Grail card for many collectors. I think it's to sure. me, it's a it's a no brainer. I think it could be just as liquid. Perhaps the hardcore truck collectors are going to go crazy about the Hope Diamond in whatever grade, which is clearly true here in the PSA six. But for the rest of us, I mean, the, the Gold Trout Update 10, I would. Man, that would be a card I would, you know, be honored to hold on, hold. So, you know, th- that's an easy one for me. I'm going to go with the gold. Okay. Yeah, both good choices. Um, I went back and forth, but at the end of the day, and maybe I'm swayed by the comments because I, I put this up on our daily au- five card guys daily auctions page. Oh, did and, you? I'm interested yeah, and, to hear um, what these people just said. Just a lot of comments about like, whoa, you never see this card come up. You know what mm. I mean? You never see the Hope Time and Anniversary. And that's why it's just getting a lot of buzz. And uh, obviously being numbered to 60, you know, there's not a lot of them out there. And so when it does come up, um, it's going to get a lot of attention. And that's why I'm going to choose the Hope Diamond as well. I I don't love it. That six, you know, people, uh, other people are saying in the comments, like it must have a huge surface crease on it. You just can't see it in the picture, but it's got to be there somewhere. It's centered Um, nice though. It's so yeah, it's Center not bad. Nice. Top yeah. bottom it has left good right. IPL. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not bad. It's a little, I guess, right to left, but yeah, yeah. in general, yeah, it's a beautiful card. I prefer, so- to be honest, I prefer it in an authentic slab rather than a PSA 6. But yeah, no. at, th- at, at this point, I, I understand the owner because he doesn't want to crack it and then pay like a $1,500 grading fee to get it authentic. <laughs> True. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to choose a Hope Diamond just for its rarity and its beauty just looking at it. Um, although, you know, the gold is a pretty sweet card to have as well. Yeah. No doubt. You guys are making me regret my choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I, I feel like both choices are are good are valid (laughs) all right um well that's our show thanks for listening to another episode of cards to the moon we appreciate you guys and uh, as always uh, if you enjoyed the podcast and um you haven't rated our show yet uh, we would love five stars from you uh, wherever you listen to your podcast all right we'll see you again uh next week for a brand new episode bye hey thanks for listening to cards to the moon we'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.